minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, 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 
Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. NSN app, an amazing way to tune in, and I welcome those of you in cities around the world, including Houston, Texas, where I have a feeling we've picked up a tremendous number of listeners this week. I thank you all for listening. Yeah, we went a cappella for the first half hour this morning. <laughs> I, I always say that um, the three weeks format, which you know slows down the music here and really drifts heavily into a cappella, is usually as the show goes on and as the weeks go on. As the three weeks go on, I um, I don't know. On Friday, I think is the it, it, Friday is like the wild card. Some Fridays I uh, want to play some slower Shabbos music. Other Fridays, some acapella. Today we went with the acapella, proving once again how decisions are sometimes made on the spot. Sometimes we just go with the gut. And today I just felt we should do some uh, Erev Shabbos a cappella selections. Friday morning, and, oh, and, and some of them included the YU Maccabees with Marabu, Lo Alecha done by Leif Tahar, 613 with the song Leif Tahar. Kumzitz in the Rain, that's Donny Gross and company. Bitachon had Dodi, you heard Ka Echsof from a CD entitled Shabbos Diga Oitzers. And Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Friday on this July 10th, the 23rd of Tammuz. Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas with candle lighting time at 8.08 on this Erev Shabbos. 8.08, your official candle lighting time. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is on Friday. It's a one-day Rosh Chodesh next week, one week from today. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av will be on Friday. 73 degrees outside. 78% 78% humidity, winds are north at 2 miles per hour, mostly sunny with a high temperature of 87. Then tonight, mostly clear, a low of 70. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature of 88 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 84. Up in Guilford, New York, our friends at Camp Masora are sitting at 56 degrees, heading up to 80 later on, where they're getting ready for Shabbos number 2 of the camping season. Hello to uh, Ari Katz and uh, Joseph Stansky and everybody up there in... Uh, in Camp Missoura. I saw, I saw my good friend Steve Adelsberg yesterday and, uh, I asked Steve the following question. I said to him that the, <laughs> that the Bungalow Baseball League standings has everybody at zero and zero because the initial games last week were rained out. Everybody's at zero and zero. Uh, and I said to him, uh, what team do you think in the standings nonetheless is listed on the top line, the first of the zero and zero teams. And of course, 
immediately, without any hesitation, he says, the Lobos. <laughs> so he's, uh, and then we went into a whole discussion about the, about the, uh, the Lobo team and its history and, uh, the Bungalow Baseball League and episodes and stories that go back to the, uh, 70s, 80s, 90s, etc. Anyway, it was, it was pretty, I had a feeling he'd get that quiz question correct. Um, so, lesson of the week, I guess the lesson of the week is pretty obvious after the week we've had here at JM and the AM. Very often, well, I shouldn't say very often, but many times, uh, I will, uh, come on the air at the early part of JM and the AM in the first hour, especially after a specific episode has occurred or something has uh, happened either in the collective Jewish community or in uh, in someone's private life that was important, uh, that's important to me, whatever the case may be. And I'll often remind everybody that if you, uh, if you wake up healthy this morning, and please God, I hope everybody listening has in fact woken up healthy this morning. If you wake up healthy this morning, then um, you've hit the jackpot. You've hit the lottery, essentially. And I've said this many, many times. But I think we have to extend that this uh, this Friday morning in terms of the lesson of the week, to um, to another aspect of life. And that is if you are uh, lucky enough to have woken up this morning with a roof over your head and with a dry floor under your feet and without any damage or, or water damage or anything, uh, you know, especially anything long-term to the home in which you live, then again... Uh, you've won the lottery. You've hit the jackpot. So uh, everybody this morning, in light of the trip to Houston, Texas, that we took this week and reported uh, all about the community's struggles with rebounding from the Matze Shvuis Memorial Day storm, everybody out there, no matter where you are, New York, New Jersey, Israel, Europe, North America, no matter where you are, uh, if in fact... You're waking up healthy this morning, thank God. Bali Einhara. And if in fact you're waking up this morning with a roof over your head and a calm, serene, comfortable floor below you, then uh, we have to say we have won the lottery and we have won the, we have hit the jackpot. Um, and that's the truth. That is the truth. Sometimes difficult to keep in mind and difficult to keep in perspective, but that is the truth. Erev Shabbos, candle lighting 808. One of the, one of the things that we're going to leave everyone with before Shabbos begins is another amazing live presentation by Naomi Nachman on her program that we proudly present on the Nachum Siegel Network called Table for Two. Just when everyone thinks that it's impossible to put together fun, interesting, and quality programming during the three weeks, a myth that we dispel every single morning during the three weeks. Uh, but just as people suspect that it's impossible to put together a an interesting, fun, entertaining program during the three weeks, along comes the amazing staff of the Nahum Siegel Network. And in this case, the amazing host, Naomi Nachman, and the... Um, 
and the wonderful people at Gourmet Glot. And sure enough, you are invited to participate by being there live and in person this morning, right after JM in the AM. Table for two will be on at 9 o'clock today from Gourmet Glot Emporium on Spruce Street in Cedarhurst. You can see it on the homepage, NahumSiegel.com. It'll be a live video. You can see it on the homepage, NahumSiegel.com. You can uh, hear it, of course, on the NSN app and all our other audio sources. And the follow on social media, I'm sure it'll be uh, postings on social media. Facebook, Nahum Siegel Network. Twitter, at Nahum Siegel Net. Um, all about the show. And Naomi has invited on this supersized show that will be on between 9 and 10.30, Jay Booksbaum, the amazing kosher wine sommelier from Royal Wine. Jonathan Margolin, cooking demos by chefs from KCA, CKCA, the, the um, uh, Center for Kosher Culinary Arts. It is all happening today, starting at 9 a.m., and I hope everyone has an opportunity to go out there and enjoy. If you can't go out there, watch it, listen to it. She's a load of fun when it comes to this stuff. And today, since they'll be concentrating on the topic of cooking for the nine days, not only will it be fun, but it'll be a very good practical lesson for all of us <laughs> as we see what expert chef Naomi Nachman does uh, for the nine days. And then after the show, we have about a week to prepare and to practice for the nine days because the nine days don't begin until uh, next Thursday night, right? Yeah. Nine days begin next Thursday night. Uh, Rosh Chodesh Av. Anyway, there you go. Ah, uh, so 16 minutes before 7 o'clock, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos here at JM and the AM. If you missed any of our show from Houston, make sure to check out the archive section of jmtheam.org. Malcolm Holmline is scheduled for today. He is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He's scheduled to join us, talk about the events of this week, and there's a lot in the news to talk about. Oh, boy, there's a lot in the news to talk about. So we'll do that coming up. And the plenty more if you keep it right here at JM and the AM.
Yes, yes, I got it. 
Yes, yes, I 
J.M. in the A.M., that's uh, Nachum Stark with uh, Mia Deer, Friday morning broadcast. J.M. in the A.M., three weeks format. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, you heard Cole Zimmer in there with Menucha V'Simcha. Um, and a couple other great uh, a cappella selections. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Pinchas, candle lighting at 8.08. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh will be one day next Friday. Hey, i got to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. Uh, they have been highlighting so many amazing things that have been happening at this radio station over the last few weeks. And yesterday, Charlie Bernhout was here. I did not realize. <laughs> we may actually have to bring him back because I didn't realize the impact that a large cantorial segment would have on this audience. And obviously the folks at OnlySimchas.com appreciated it because I see it's at the very top of their news story, how we hosted Charlie Bernhout live for a great morning of cantorial music. So thank you, OnlySimchas.com. Uh, and Mazel Tov to Shlaimi and Yudit Fogel and to Beth and Sam Bacall and everybody else who's celebrating births out there. That's on the homepage of OnlySimchas.com. Uh, but in addition to that, they are doing such an amazing job with Jewish news from around the world. And again, we did something yesterday that was noteworthy for them, and I'm glad about that. So thank you very much. Go to OnlySimchas.com. Check them out. They are... Uh, Really revamped, brand new, and have expanded tremendously, and we are extremely proud. We've had a long-time relationship with them, and we are extremely proud. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. By the way, speaking of our conversation yesterday, we reminded the audience many, many times that July 22nd is a date you must circle on your calendar. Put it in your iPhone now. July 22nd, 5.30 p.m., the Times Square Stop Iran Now Rally. Information, it's a hashtag Stop Iran Rally. It's also on the web at stopiranrally.org. Wednesday, July 22nd, 5.30 p.m., Times Square, 42nd and 7th in New York City. Stop Iran now. Many distinguished speakers and many distinguished organizations are part of that event. So do what you can to become a part of it by uh, making a commitment to being in Times Square on July the 22nd at 5.30 p.m. Galitzal in the background. News from Israel is next. Malcolm Honline and the weekly update at 7.40. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast is next. Boker Tov from JMN. Galitzal, Ashash Time. Can Shibel Karmi Mansour in Mashakore Akshab? שיחות הגרעין של המעצמות עם איראן, שר החוץ האיראני זריף אומר לא נצליח להגיע להסכם גם היום. כתבנו תאו וייס. זריף אמר לעיתונאים אמנם חל ההתקדמות אבל היא אינה מספקת. נראה שנאלץ להישאר בווינה בסוף השבוע הזה. כעת נפגשים שרי החוץ של המעצמות כדי לדון בתנאי ההסכם מול איראן לאחר שתאריך היעד נדחה שוב. אמש אמרה שרת החוץ של האיחוד האירופי מוגריני שזהו יום גורלי בשיחות ויש לומר כן או לא להצעה שעל הפרק.
בגרמניה לפחות שני בני אדם נהרגו בתקרית ירי בצפון בווריה, כתבת חדשות החוץ נועם דהן. על פי הדיווחים אדם ירה ממכוניתו, רצח שני עוברי אורח ונמלט מן המקום. לא ידוע כמה בני אדם נוספים נפצעו. משטרת גרמניה עצרה חשוד בירי, והרקע לאירוע נבדק. שר החוץ עד לאחרונה של סעודיה, סעוד אל-פייסל, מת הלילה ממחלה חודשיים אחרי שפרש מתפקידו, כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. אל-פייסל, בנו של פייסל, מלך סעודיה לשעבר, כיהן בתפקידו 40 שנה, והיה לשר החוץ הוותיק בעולם. הוא תפס מקום פעיל בסדרה של התפתחויות מרכזיות שטלטלו את המזרח התיכון בתקופת כהונתו. ממלחמת האזרחים בלבנון, דרך המהפכה באיראן, המאבק הפלסטיני למדינה ועד האביב הערבי. הלילה הוא מת בארצות הברית. שוטרת התחזתה לבת 13 ועצרה פדופיל, כתבנו איתמר קציר. השוטרת גלשה בחדרי צ'אטים והחלה להתכתב עם גבר בן 34, תושב מרכז הארץ, התכתבות שהפכה מהר מאוד לשיחה בעלת אופי מיני. השוטרת המתחזה קבעה מקום מפגש עם האיש במהלך השבוע, וכשהוא בא למקום עצבו אותו בלשי מרחב דן, כשעליו אמצעי מניעה ושוקולד לפיתוי הילדה. מעצרו הוארך מספר פעמים והיום הוגשה כנגדו הצהרת תובע. סקר מדד השלום של המכון הישראלי לדמוקרטיה קובע 52% מהציבור הישראלי נוטים להסכים עם מדיניותה של שרת התרבות מירי רגב. כתבנו דוד אלקלעי. מהסקר עולה כי רוב הציבור מאמין שבמסגרת תפקידה יש לשרה את הזכות למנוע מימון של יצירות תרבות שהאינטרסים שלהן אינם תואמים את אלו של המדינה. עוד עולה ממנו כ-44% מסכימים עם הכרזת השרה שתמנע מימון מתיאטרון הילדים של נורמן עיסא. רגב פרסמה את הסקר בעמוד הפייסבוק שלה וכתבה רוב הציבור מבין שלא לקראת תפילות יום השישי של חודש הרמדאן הנערכות בשעה זו בירושלים נחסמו לתנועה כל הצירים הסובבים את העיר העתיקה וכן הרחובות הנביאים אגרון, דרך בר לב ודרך חברון. התחזית ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, את החדשות ערך היום דן דובין בצוות נווה וייס וטל חסון. Thank you. 
Selection here on a JMM Friday morning. It's Erev Shabbos. I'll show us before that with Laman Achai. You heard uh, Tzvi Silberstein with Lachu off of his uh, album entitled Acapella. Friday morning on this 10th of July, the 23rd of Tammuz. Good morning, everybody. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas with candle lighting at 8.08. Uh, Friday is a Rosh Chodesh Av, a week from today. Friday is a one-day Rosh Chodesh Av. Big thank you again to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. In addition to all the Simchas, they have been posting some incredible news stories. And um, 
I'm proud to say that we have been making uh, some of their news. Yeah. Yesterday's conversation with Charlie Bernhow, which featured an amazing number of great cantorial selections, they highlighted that, and uh, I appreciate that very much. And uh, in addition to the births and engagements and weddings and uh, brisson and everything else that only Simchas covers, they're doing an amazing job now in their expanded role and promoting different Jewish news items from around the world, so we thank them for that. Um, Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. 20 minutes from now, our weekly update, the uh, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations will join us here at JM and the AM. So we'll have that for you coming up. want to remind you that at 9 o'clock this morning, after everything that we've done here at JM and the AM, once that concludes at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, You'll be able to see at NahumSiegel.com and hear on all our audio sources, including the NSN app, uh, the amazing Naomi Nachman. Naomi Nachman today, that's right, today has an incredible program starting at 9 a.m. live from Gourmet Glot Emporium on Spruce Street in Cedarhurst. And it is there that Naomi Nachman will conduct a conversation with a whole bunch of great guests and will do food cooking demonstrations with uh, her colleagues from CKCA, the Center for Kosher Culinary Arts. And in addition to that, (laughs) Naomi's going to give us a comprehensive look at what it's like to uh, prepare meals for the nine days. Nine days begin Thursday night, yeah. They begin Thursday night. So that's all coming up between 9 and 10.30 this morning. If you're anywhere near Gourmet Glot and Cedarhurst, stop by and say hi. Otherwise, of course, you could just uh, tune in and watch what's going on. If you go to the NahumSiegel.com homepage, the video will be up and you can watch what's happening. Friday morning, Rosh Chodesh Av, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 87. The Stop Iran Now rally is happening July 22nd. Circle your calendar. That's 5.30 p.m. in Times Square, 42nd Street, 7th Avenue in New York City. So you want to check that out. If you haven't yet heard any of our conversations that took place on Wednesday when we were down in Houston, Texas, in the aftermath of the uh, Matze Shavuos Memorial Day flood, uh, make sure to check it out at some point. Archive section, jmnam.org, nachomsigl.com, on the NSN app. It's all there. In fact, on the app, I think it's listed by interview. If you go to the section of the of the uh, NSN archives that says JMNAM interviews, you'll be able to access it that way. And uh, many interesting conversations Wednesday as we we saw firsthand and tried to convey to the audience what it's like to recover what it's like to be in the first stage of recovery from a disaster that a natural disaster that happened over six weeks ago. So if you haven't had a chance to check that out, please do so. Also, I want to welcome new listeners that we picked up down in Texas while we were there. A lot of people expressed interest in this show. A lot of people already had heard of the show and uh, had been listening on a regular basis. But many others, no doubt, have installed the NSN app and are listening in every single morning since then. So a welcome to our friends in the Jewish communities of Texas, specifically Houston, from all of us here at JM in the AM. Shlaka Pella is next at JM in the AM. I am-
asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a minion around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? I step off the bus in Mobile, Alabama. The sun was slowly setting on the bay. Six o'clock on a summer Friday afternoon. Shabbos was an hour away. I walked around the town wondering what to do. Cause Shabbos is no time to be feeling blue. Shop that red closed on the door. There was a minion in the back of a hardware store. Nine men waiting for one more. We ushered in the Shabbos with a beautiful song. The Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. Sing out as one all Shabbos long. And Marin came again, I had to be moving now. Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man I saw. 
That's uh, 613. A lot of great selections in that. Yeah, we went a cappella today. We're in sh- we were insured at 555 this morning what direction, to take on the- what direction to take on this first Friday of the three weeks. But today we went a cappella. 
You never know. That's what's so amazing about this radio show. You never know what's going to happen next. Simple as that. Unless it's time for the weekly update, then you know that's coming up next. Malcolm Holmline will join us momentarily. We'll go through the weekly update and talk about some of the events that uh, occurred this week and news items that are of interest to everybody. Um, it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Pinchas with candle lighting time at 8.08 on this Erev Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. It'll be a one-day Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh Av, Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is Friday of next week. Again, a big thank you to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. They included yesterday's cantorial segment that Charlie Bernhardt did with me. It was really a an amazing um, segment, about an hour and a half filled with the incredible cantorial selections appropriate for this time of year. This time of year means through Yom Kippur. That's how <laughs> Charlie and I decided that anything from the three weeks through Yom Kippur qualifies. Um, if you missed it, obviously, it's in our archive section, but I thank OnlySimchas.com, who've really expanded their news section in addition to all of the Simchas, as we've been mentioning over the last few weeks. And their news section includes a whole bunch of material, including our Houston trip this week that we went uh, to uh, show solidarity and discover how the how long of a road the community down there has to recover completely from the storm of uh, Motzei Shavuos. Anyway, they covered all of that, and we thank them. And um, you should check them out every day. They have unique stories from the Jewish world every single day. Big thank you to our friends at JewishWorldView.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend us, our audio stream for uh, their readers. And if you want to print out hundreds, if not thousands, of articles before Shabbos to read and get a better perspective of what's happening in this world of ours, JewishWorldView.com calls it all together for you. Check it out and enjoy. The 22nd of July you want to circle. 22nd of July is the Stop Iran Now rally. That's Wednesday, July 22nd, Times Square, 42nd Street, 7th Avenue in New York City. Again, starts at 5.30. Do your best to be there. It'll be, hopefully, effective, and um, hopefully we'll make an impact out there. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Uh, good morning and uh, happy Quds Day. Oh, yeah, I see they celebrated in Iran. Today is, uh, this is since 1979 when Khomeini declared it. This is Quds Day International, which is, of course, a reference to Jerusalem and right. demonstrations supposedly pro-Palestinian, but they're actually marching the streets yelling death to Israel, but also bring down America. And I think that the coincidence, you could have had a decision announced at the same time as uh, Khamenei leads and calls for participation, and he says that millions will come, but in fact, that is not the case. And if you have a chance to check the pictures, they will make them look impressive, but it's far less people than they say. The media reports that um, you know there are plenty of large demonstrations, death to America, death to Israel, burning American flags, etc. So your point is that as many as were mobilized to be on the streets today for those types of activities, it's not as much as we think. It's not as much as we think. It's not as much as they say. And you know when they yell about death to the to, the, to arrogance or the arrogance powers, that's a reference to the United States. Right. And so while this is the Quds Day is supposedly a reference to Jerusalem, it is a reference to Jerusalem. Um, this is also an opportunity for them to um, to engage in anti-American activities, and these are the people we're negotiating with. Right. And in fact, one of the the IRGC um, uh, leaders, Iran Revolutionary Guard leaders, said that the destruction of Israel is the Islamic, Islamic world's top priority. 
that goes before the benefit of the people and not the worrying about the Muslims and all the people who are dying. But he, he, he was calling on people to attend the rally, rallies. But I'm telling you that from Iranian sources, the attendance is much less than they try to project. And and the second part of your point, the irony, because in in reality, as we know, anybody who closely follows the news knows that there could be an announcement of some type of deal any time. The irony, if that deal would have been announced while this is going on in Iran. Yes, but you know, all along, Khamenei has continued to say this. He said it at the Friday prayer prayers not long ago. Death to America and led the chance. He, he, his forces mocked, uh, bombed a mock-up of uh, of a U.S. destroyer in the Persian Gulf. He, he has continuously engaged in anti-American rhetoric and incitement, and yet there's never a consequence. There's never a price. There's never a mention. And, you know, the Palestinians have done it all along also. Right. Um, so what do we call the American side of the negotiation? Is it disillusioned? Uh, you know, history does repeat itself. We have seen this before where, you know, where the United States and other countries, peaceful countries, try to negotiate with, you know, with entities. Mm-hmm. With entities or with countries that are, you know, committed to, you know, death to America and, you know, and things like that. Uh, what, what is the American side of this? Is it in fact disillusioned or you'd use a different term? That's a good question. I don't know how, what term actually to use, and I'm not sure that one term could describe it all. But there was a, a push. They wanted to meet this deadline today because after midnight last night, our time, uh, the law that the president signed gives Congress 60 days to review, which means everything is frozen for 60 days. So we're, we're now in that territory. We're now in the 60 territory. In the 60 day that any agreement between now and the end of the recess, uh, recess congressional recess in August, means that uh, you would have 60 days. And I think the 60 days ends on Rosh Hashanah, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, boy. Um, but oh, the, boy. The option is that he could wait till after the recess, or if the negotiations go to after the recess, and then he could submit it, and there would be only a 30-day review period. But he has to, within five days, present in writing any agreements that are reached. Now, the question is, what will be put in writing? Will the negotiators actually put down details, or will we get, again, the same thing we had with Lausanne, is a framework, and they're saying, you know, they have to work out the committee that will review the inspections. And, and set up a protocol for that. The lifting of sanctions has a committee that will, you know, set the schedule. Or will it really be a detailed deal? But I think that they're hung up still uh, on the PMD, the past military developments. Certainly the inspections issue has to be big, and the schedule for uh, releasing the money because uh, Khamenei wants it uh, released immediately. Yeah, I mean, he, he he made that demand, which was pretty interesting to watch the other side make the demand this week that the sanctions must be. Yeah, and now you have other issues which have come up, which is one is the lifting of the arms embargo on Iran, which was not tied to this, um, uh, to, the, to the original sanctions bill. But Russia, they say, could make $7 billion in arms sales over the next 10 years if there's a nuclear deal. And they need a big upgrade, their fighters, their jets, their Navy and air defense systems. All of those things are very outdated. And we know that they're making, producing armor-piercing weapons from uh, depleted uranium or natural uranium. Uh, so they are advancing all the time their capacity, uh, but they need uh, these fundamental, uh, the, the, the fundamentals of an army, meaning new equipment, uh, beyond what they manufacture on their own. But we have seen the clashes 
and this is, gets very little reporting, but there's actually screaming and yelling at these sessions, and it's been going on all along. Zarif is known uh, to be a yeller. He got into a fight with the uh, foreign minister of the European Union, and he and Kerry uh, were screaming, and at one point uh, Zarif, um, uh, when they were talking about Iran's role in inciting the Middle East, and he said, if we're talking about regional security, I'll take every one of you to the International Court for supporting Saddam Hussein. Oh. And then he, he told uh, Mogherini, the EU uh, foreign policy uh, leader, uh, he said, you lay off the threats. Never try to threaten the Iranians. Wow. So he takes a very hard line, and, and we see that the increase of the attacks by the Iranian hardliners, and yet the people, the young people especially, want to deal, want to see this regime diminished, and, uh, and of course, the ultimate fear is that, that the release of what could be $150 billion will go for terrorist attacks. There's no evidence that they will spend it on domestic needs. They increased the budgets of, of the IRGC, of their defense spending, by 30%, 40% last year. Now consider if they would have this uh, windfall uh, of money, and so they want to uh, space it out. They want to try and get some conditions, but... And they know that this is the major sp- state sponsor of terrorism around the world. And, and who's going to pay the price if, if uh, this money is released? And they can just go ahead and, uh, you know, provide more money to Hezbollah, to Hamas, to the Houthis, to all the other terrorist entities that they support. The President of the United States and or Secretary Kerry, do they react when they're, you know, when they're in the midst of negotiations and American flags are burning in Tehran? No. Not a word. It's... Well, they say they do remonstrate with them, but I can tell you that some of the Europeans, and there have been articles about the fact that the U.S. has uh, appears to be the lawyer for Iran in the negotiations, that when oh. accusations come up about violations... Of everybody sitting in that room, the U.S. has that reputation? Well, that's what they say. I mean, that's reports that have come out. I'm not saying that it's... Right. It's believable, though, the way, the, way, the way you read his statements in the press, it's believable. Well, it's Europeans who are, who are leaking this, and some of the Europeans, especially the French, are very, uh, have expressed frustration with the, the uh, uh, negotiations. And, um, I mean, you know, and this whole idea that we're dealing with the moderates, th- there are no moderates. Rouhani's not a moderate. He's increased the number of executions. He's spread their in his regime the terrorism and ultimately it's the supreme leader he is the supreme leader that's his his title is who he is and you know we have the additional problem that you have a 10 to 15 year uh... to we reach the zero breakout meaning right. that they will be a nuclear uh, in iran will be a, a nuclear threshold state and even if it's over the next ten years but in ten years right. they will have everything in place still and and they will have advanced in many areas uh... and the, the sunset clause it's just, uh, uh, it's ridiculous, the idea that in 10 years they will be a nuclear power instantly. Right, so if July, if, mi- if midnight July 10th has passed, and obviously it has, silly question, what is the new deadline? I mean, we have no idea what the new deadline is at this point, right? There's nothing now rushing anybody to get this done. Well, they haven't set a specific uh, new deadline. In fact, said that they wouldn't. Uh, some people thought that this would pressure, put more pressure on the U.S. than it did on Iran, because Iran doesn't care about the congressional deadlines, although one Iranian <laughs> very important source told me that the Khamenei was taken aback. He felt that he had been uh, misled, and he never realized how important Congress is, that mm. he put all his eggs in 
you know, with the administration. Yeah, don't worry. I didn't realize either until about a week ago how important Congress is to this. We've got to remind Congress that they realize how important <laughs> That's also and true. That they stand up and do the right thing now and That's make right. their voices heard. I mean, obviously, till we have a deal, we don't know what it is that we are, that we are fighting against. But it, it, it affects the whole region. I mean, think of what the turmoil will be after this deal is announced. You see what Hamas is doing now, the crackdown, the fights, the, the, um, Iran Revolutionary Guard's role in in Syria, their liaisons with others, with Hezbollah. You know, Hezbollah has 110,000 missiles now. What what more? You know, they put on guidance systems. They will enhance them further. Uh, Hamas, which uh, has been suffering because Iran did not give them some of the money they had expected, uh, and is also caught short because their their uh, smuggling tunnels to to Sinai have been uh, cut off, and they are building new tunnels, by the way, into Egypt, and they are running weapons from Libya and the Sudan to ISIS, and from ISIS taking weapons to Gaza. And they have, uh, they also make a lot of money on supplying them with uh, all sorts of goods and taking goods smuggled into the Sinai to Gaza uh, to bypass the fact that uh, Egypt closed more than a thousand other tunnels and, and Israel closed off the routes uh, from uh, in, into Israel, so you or, or through the crossings. So, you know, because of the level of Israeli and Egyptian cooperation right now, if there was a way for them to destroy the tunnels you just described, the new ones going up or being built, they would go ahead and do so, right? They are working together, and I mean, obviously, they do it as long as the Egypt sees it in its interest, and it certainly does. Right. Um, and, you, you know, the, the uh, fact is in the central part of Sinai, uh, CC does not control it. The ISIS does, and there's whole sorts of groups, Al-Qaeda and others, they all united under this supposed front, and they've carried out many bloody attacks, but the army hit back. I think they killed some 200 people. What they did is they laid out the bodies of 60 of them, and in part it was a message to Israel to show that these guys are not a ragtag group, but they were... Uh, they had the bulletproof vests. They were in uniforms. They, they, you know, it was a military, and uh, they, they wanted people, including Israel, to see what the nature. Uh, though I don't think Israel has any illusions about what uh, what they're up against. Uh, you see Hamas boasting that they have produced uh, missiles, which give them a qualitative edge again. And they, uh, you know, they're talking. And, and and the PA, by the way, cracked down on Hamas in the West Bank. And arrested, I think, about 120 of them, because not because of Israel, but because they think the first target of these of the organization of, of Hamas in, in the West Bank is to overthrow Abbas and the PA. All right. So it, it uh, they want to weaken the PA and heighten tensions with Israel, and ultimately uh, take over there as they have in, in Gaza. Are we getting to a point where the PA is going to beg Israel for help against Hamas? <laughs> The truth is, it's happening every day. It's unbelievable. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. Malcolm Holmline is back from Israel. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. Oh, by the way, I should ask you about that, because you mentioned to us last Friday you'd have an opportunity to meet with the Prime Minister and others. Obviously, most of those conversations, I'm sure, are are not to be discussed on these airways. But anything you could tell us about uh, those encounters that were uh, of significance last week? 
uh, I saw the Prime Minister several times and the President and most of the key ministers, and we talked about issues ranging from security and Harazetim to Iran, 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 Iran. Plenty of Iran, huh? They dominate the conversation. I sat with them, uh, you know, till the middle of the night, you know, and the, the Knesset sessions went till 3.30 in the morning. Is internal, the Prime Minister faced this really tough internal situation with the very thin margin, and in yeah. fact, the, the opposition pulled a fast one uh, this week and was able to get through a vote uh, by some maneuvering. That was a debt collection vote? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think it's so significant, but it, it was symbolic, the right. fact that they were able to pull it off. Um, and and uh, I just wanted to say something else. That if those who think and ask me about, you know, removing the sanctions and, you know, give us time and snap back, there's no such thing as snap back. A uh, hundred French business leaders already signed up for a trip in September to Tehran. 300 Italian businessmen going there to do business. We know that they're increasing their business through Turkey, uh, Azerbaijan, and Georgia. Uh, people tell me that in Tehran, and I heard it again when I was in Israel, that you, you see life is going off as normal, cars, everything. It's the people who suffer, especially in rural areas outside the big cities, where, you know, but the government people and IRGC people don't aren't hurt by the by the sanctions, and they're also still doing a lot of business, despite the uh, fact that, you know, their sales, the money has to be escrowed uh, under the sanctions regime. And the point being that they're already on the road to, as much as we think the sanctions are, you know, are, are, are working or helping, they're on the road to economic independence, on the road to economic security. What do we call it? Well, without the sanctions being lifted fully, and if they were fully implemented as they should be, um, I mean, uh, you could cripple Iran. They, they uh, like everybody else, are dependent on the sales, the money coming into the, their coffers. And one of the big leverages is the, is the U.S. banking system. Nobody, no country wants to be shut out of the ability to trade in dollars and to have access to, to our banks, which Iran does not now. And the SWIFT system, for anybody who's ever done a money transfer, knows what it is. Um, these are very critical to any country that wants to be in the 21st century in international trade. Now you know why he's demanding those sanctions be lifted. That is they're why desperate. he wants the sanctions lifted. He's worried about, you know, 75% of the population of Iran, I think, are under 25. He's worried about the restlessness, and, and they know what goes on in the campuses. They make arrests. But there are many defiant acts going on in, um, in, in Iran by young people, by others. Unfortunately, the West abandoned them. The West ignored them and um, you know, demoralized them, I would say. Uh, so... The, you know, the, the, uh, the consequences for Khamenei is that, that he doesn't want a revolution, he doesn't want to lose control, and, and knows that unemployment, all those things, uh, really, I think 50% or more, 70% of the young people are not employed. So they suffer. You don't see it, though, probably in, in Tehran or in Isfahan and big cities. All right, so are these sanctions going to come off the table? I mean, are these... <laughs> it... No. They will. They will remain on the table. Kerry will make sure it's part yeah, of the negotiation. On the, table. the question is whether they'll be enforced. Right. And how, and how will we relieve them? I mean, he says all at once. He says, based on performance, which is what we've all said, um, we would like to see them remain in place. You know, so many of the red lines, and there's a very interesting study by the uh, Foreign Policy Initiative, and people can Google it, 
where they take the statements, you know, along of what our red lines are and see how they, you know, those demands from, you know, no centrifuges, no infrastructure, no total dismantlement, all that, et cetera, have all been uh, whittled away. So w- what really gives us the leverage right now are the sanctions and the intrusive uh, uh, inspections. Anywhere, anytime seems to be melting away also. Uh, and we have met with uh, some of the people who, who dealt with the IEA and, and uh, who were employed by the International Atomic Energy Agency in, in dealing with Iran's nuclear program, and, and they are not very optimistic about our ability. And they, there are claims already that there are uh, secret places where they're manufacturing that we do not know about and do not have access to. Uh, and and that was always the contention when we met with them in Vienna. They said, "Look, we're not worried about the places we know. We're worried about the places we don't know. Yeah. What we don't know about those places." Yeah, and 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 once and and by the way, this is a battle with I shouldn't say battle, a presentation rather that all of us can make to members of Congress because at this point, you would suggest, I think, tell me if I'm wrong, that. We've got to mobilize in terms of getting these points and messages across to members of Congress today. Even though that you know we're we're not on the sixty day clock yet, uh, they've got to know that the majority of people, and I would guess this is true. You can tell me if I'm wrong. In the United States, feel the Iranians are not trustworthy, and they they can't be uh, you know taken at their word. And That's absolutely true that the majority of Americans do not believe they're trustworthy. Members of Congress will be coming home for the recess uh, before not soon. You should reach out. Every synagogue should invite their members of Congress. I saw Carolyn Maloney wrote a very nice, uh, very strong letter to, to Secretary Kerry. We should acknowledge it. We should make sure that Senator Gillibrand and Senator Schumer hear from us, encourage them. You know, Schumer has said the right things. We want to encourage him to continue in that way. We want to make sure that other key senators, from uh, those from Connecticut, you have the uh, Blumenthal or in New Jersey, Cory Booker, uh, others have to hear from their constituents because they will be under a lot of counter-pressure. You saw this week the members of the White House had a call with a group convened by, I forgot the name of the foundation, that is uh, pro-Iranian and fighting again, and fighting for uh, the deal at any cost. And, and we have to make sure that we and all of our friends and Christians, uh, every race, every ethnicity, should have a stake. When they hang gays, when they hang Christians, when they hang Baha'i, when they execute people all over the region, when they encourage the radicalism, this is not targeting Jews first and foremost. That's right. It's everybody else as well. Yeah. And, and only by making our voices heard, and I know people say they get tired of it, et cetera, you're not going to be tired when your grandchildren ask you when you saw you know, the repetition in some ways of events 70 years earlier, and you said you never again, and you learned the lesson, and you don't translate it, then you didn't learn the lesson. That's for sure. Why is Senator Schumer cited as the key to all this when it comes to the Senate battle? Is it because whatever he decides, there'll be so many who are ready to follow his lead against the president on this? Well, I think it's because he is a very important senator. He, he uh, and many look to him, and he is uh, presumptively the next uh, majority leader. Right. So his role is, is really critical, and uh, and he's an important player. And others will look to him for guidance as to what direction they'll look to others as well. I think Ben Cardin, I think uh, Coons in Delaware, for those who know him, uh, uh, there are many. But nobody should be ignored. And when we want to see Gillibrand come out with more strong statements, we want uh, everybody. It's not. Uh, one person, but he is a uniquely influential member of the Senate who has always uh, been out front on uh, Israel issues, and so his 
his word, his voice is is especially critical. And because there's no deal on the table yet, and all a member of Congress has to say to any group that meets with them is, "Hey, we don't know what's in the deal yet." That's, that, the, that's the point. So we have to wait. Let's see what. Right, but that's why I say that at least if you do have a meeting with a member of Congress, if anybody out there has a meeting with a member of Congress today, at least the point of the untrustworthiness of the Iranians and their administration, you know, at least those topics could be discussed. Now, please, whenever this thing does come across your desk, keep in the front of your mind that you're dealing with people who are not trustworthy on this. And and, and, the, and the Senate and the House, and the, I mean, Washington is not the enemy here. The enemy is Iran. Right. And we have to keep that focus very clear. And we need to build the, broad, the broadest coalition. And, not, and this should not be about Israel. This should be about America's security interests. That's why I laid out before, in more detail than I might otherwise, some of the issues, the PMD, the, the uh, past military dimensions. Right, the ones that directly uh, affect the United States. Pardon me? The ones that directly affect the United States. Those directly affect the United States, and that these are the issues you can talk about now, because they are going to be critical to any deal. If there, there may not be a deal at all, milk, it may walk away and then, you know, let it sit for a while and come back. This is a, a not an unusual uh, uh, tactic right. for... Uh, you know, for the Iranians, and, and they have, they feel that they have time. They think time is on their spot, side. Yeah. Uh, the and president, you know, only has, you know, 500 and some days left, so they know he wants this deal before he leaves. Right. Um, the um, it, It's interesting that, and I guess we should expect this, because the BDS movement is uh, so prominent and the anti-BDS movement continues to gain momentum, the presidential candidates, some of them already have come out with strong statements how they're, you know, completely against BDS. What else would you suspect that they would say, et cetera, et cetera. And, and to a degree, um, I, I, w- I would assume, I would assume that, the United States jury, and again, you know the polls, are more likely together on the anti-BDS issue than, I don't know, for instance, you know, whether there should be a two-state solution or not. You know, there the, the numbers are probably, you know, more balanced or maybe, you know, on the side of a two-state solution. And the reason I bring this up is because this might be, this anti-BDS movement and getting the presidential candidates to, to back it, express their support for it, etc., could be a very big unifying factor for the American Jewish community and not as divisive as other factors have been in the Middle East. Do you, you understand where I'm seeing a little I, bit? I do completely, and we are very active on that front, and we are mobilizing because we expect a, a sharp increase in these activities in the, in the uh, campus, on the campuses uh, in the next uh, semester, and a lot depends also post-Iran, whatever way it comes out. Um, but what we're also seeing is the morphing of this into blatant anti-Semitism, not couched, not hidden, that the uh, attacks on campuses are physical assaults against Jewish students. Uh, we should not uh, diminish the significance of BDS. And you know how long I've talked about it on the show for many years, because yeah. uh, this is not new. This is something that's, uh, that the Palestinians launched 10 years ago. Uh, I think this is actually the 10th anniversary week and uh, are promoting more and more, and they've had some victories in some of the campuses, student initiatives. Again, the campus, the universities themselves didn't follow through and didn't accept it, but the very fact that this is becoming an accepted thing, and now they make the distinction, which is why the legislative thing we discussed last week with the State Department was so important about, you know, we're only boycotting West Bank products, we're only boycotting, when in fact, when you boycott that, you're really hurting Palestinian employees, you're hurting... Uh, people both in West Bank and Israeli Arabs, as well as Jews, and the um, uh, you know the, the, it, the, it morphs very quickly, 
uh, into being a boycott of Israel. And the goal is clear. Why are they not having a BDS against Syria, which has killed 250,000 people? Why is there no BDS about the killings of Christians? Why is there no BDS against Iran, which is hanging thousands of people? Why is there no BDS against ISIS or against any of these other the supporters of the countries like them? And it shows <coughs> that this is really an anti-Syrian move that targets only the state of Israel for these kind of discriminatory measures. Uh, curiosity, um, have you spoken to any members of the Jewish community in Greece, and is there anything of significance um, regarding the um, the economic situation in Greece as it relates to the Jewish community there? Absolutely. We are in touch with them. They're wonderful people uh, and suffering greatly. The day schools are under tremendous uh, pressure. I know that there's been assistance granted by some of the international Jewish agencies, and, uh, you know, we're very concerned about it. There's also been some manifestations of anti-Semitism, which we've expressed ourselves to officials in Greece with whom we have close contact. But, you know, the, the, when I was in Israel this week, the, the foreign minister on the day of the vote was in Israel. Foreign minister of Greece. Yeah. <laughs> and pledging support and, and very positive relations, which was not expected when this left-wing government took over. But, in fact, they have more or less continued what the previous government, which is very pro-Israel, um, uh, initiated. So we have the, yeah, the situation there is very tenuous. What can you tell? Suffering for it. What can you tell us about these uh, two Israelis that are missing in Gaza? And why did it take so many months for for the for the for the news report to uh, be revealed? Why were they keeping it under wraps? Because it makes it easier to deal with a terrorist that you raised the price that you uh, they wanted to try and ascertain exactly where they were, what the situation was, and they felt that if you you know by dealing with it in this way, you might have a better chance of resolving it. Does anybody in Israel by action or by negotiations? Does anybody in Israel know if they're still alive? They have asked for signs. The families have asked for signs, but the indications are certainly in the case of the Ethiopian that he is uh, being held there. The other one, it's less clear. And again, it's been very cryptic. We don't have the full information yet. We'll have to see. And how do people keep this quiet in this day and age for ten months? It's it, it's almost impossible when you well, think it's about a complicated case because the person may not be well and may have wandered across the border. He may have gone into Egypt, into Sinai. Uh, there are many things that they... Yeah, but make. you know how it is today. One tweet from one relative and... No, you you're know. absolutely right. I can't tell you how they... I know. It's it. unbelievable. But the family was told that that would jeopardize the efforts if, if uh, you know, if they if they went public. Uh, you were Can I mention one other yes, thing before we... What's something really important? And, you know, it goes back to a theme that we've talked about many times, but UNESCO met this week. You know, they have this World Heritage Committee, right. which names sites to, mm-hmm. to including Beit Sha'an was named uh, as a World Heritage Site, which helps tourism and blah, blah, blah. In the, in the UNESCO, which is the Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization of the UN, adopted a one-sided resolution on the old city of Jerusalem that deliberately ignores the connection of either Christians or Jews to Jerusalem, and it takes Israel to task for engaging in illegal excavations in the old city. They mean the tunnels. They mean the city of David. Damaging the visual integrity visual integrity of the old city. Why? Because of the Jerusalem light rail. And deploring the projects at the Western Wall Plaza. 
And what do they refer to it as? Burak Plaza. Now, you remember when I spoke about this a long time ago, said that the ICESCO meeting where the UN, UNESCO was present, and they had made a pitch to name Keva uh, Rachel for them for Muhammad's driver right. and the and Marat Machpela as a mosque, right. and that the Kotel is really Al Barak's wall. In this document, they refer to the uh, Kotel Plaza, the Western Wall Plaza, as Burak Plaza. Burak was Al Burak was the horse of Muhammad who ascended after his death, supposedly, uh, even though he never visited Israel or the area in his lifetime. And it just it. it it refers to the Temple Mount areas only as a Muslim holy site of worship, and this is, if, if, and this is the international body charged with with being responsible for uh, you know education, cultural uh, institutions, and protecting the heritage of people. So when you hear this kind of report, when I tell you about why the the, the gatherings, why you have to take it significantly, and why we have to. I mean, I'm saying people, it's not much you can do to change the vote in UNESCO, which is almost automatically, uh, or is automatically hostile to Israel. But they're taking away our past. We're coming to Erev Tishabav, and now they're denying the Jews heaven and calling it Barak's uh, Plaza? The committee members that were responsible for this, do we know what countries they're from? Oh, yeah, it's many. I, I, I don't have a list in front of me, but uh, it's many countries. And yeah, look, you get always an automatic majority. You just have to put something in front of them that uh, the Arab countries or the Muslim countries want to support. And uh, you've warned us you know, that don't, I didn't hear them take a resolution out about the destruction of Palmyra in the last couple of weeks, destroying the two thousand, three thousand year old heritage is all over. It barely, know. it barely got one day of coverage. I hate to tell you, nothing. And, and you saw the pictures that they showed. I mean, I saw it in Israel. I didn't see it here, where they're taking sledgehammers in the museums and just destroying everything. And some of the stuff they just sell. And Congress is moving to try and cut the ability to sell the stuff you know, on the international market. But in most cases, they just destroy it. The shock and the aftermath of what you just told us is that maybe it shouldn't be so shocking because of what I'm about to say, but you've warned us that the... Uh, that there's going to be a strong effort, and we're in it right now, to change Jewish history, to literally change the history of the world as it relates to Jews. And here is a perfect example, as you just mentioned. I think take away our past, take away our future. Right. I think I think this could be a wake up call for everybody because you've you you've had more subtle references in the past. Here we are talking about the Kotel, we're talking about Jerusalem, and we're talking about cutting off any uh, connection between the Jewish people of today and the uh, Holy City, which is, you know, for us pretty remarkable that anybody would try to do that. Um, you mentioned in the, the Zahamodia article that focused on your uh, opinion about what's happening at the U.N., France may walk back a U.N. Security Council initiative to impose a timetable in the Middle East peace process. And, in fact, you said that in, it, it is possible that the PA representatives might want to concentrate on bringing war crimes allegations at the ICC rather than seeing a moderate UN resolution. So, um, which is it going to be? Are they going to? Are they? Is it? Is it in fact going to be one or the other? They pursue criminal crimes, uh, war crimes rather, against Israel, or they try to lobby for a much stronger um, um, action by the UN Security Council in terms of an Israeli PA peace agreement. No, I, I think I said there that uh, also that the um, that because the the French resolution 
would have to be watered down in order to avoid an American veto, in order to get the votes, etc. And, and they, they know that. A tougher version or no version, rather than accepting a watered-down version, and that right now their focus has been on taking Israel to the International Criminal Court, etc., and as you know, that that could apply to them as well, and we will make sure it applies to the Palestinians as well um, through legal cases. Uh, but uh, they're not clear that the language that the French are talking about would be sufficient for them. You saw that Ericot, who's the new Secretary General of the PA, has spoken this week about reversing all the things, including going back to the right of return, going back to you know rescinding the recognition of Israel, etc. So they, they for sure are not going to want to have a resolution which calls on both sides to negotiate and two-state solution, etc. So it's interesting. They want everything dictated by them. But the 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 turning point, the 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 fulcrum that it all rests on, is whether the, whether they suspect that the U.S. will veto, uh, you know, the resolution. It, it, well, the French said that if the if the U.S. is going to veto, they won't. Why would they won't introduce it because they're not going to go into an exercise of futility. But if you notice that they've already started an alternative with the. Um, this effort at a um, what do they call it the P, the quartet plus right means the Arabs plus the quartet right. that would be a new negotiating vehicle. Uh, they were asked this by the way as a result of my comments. They were asked at the press conference of our minister and others uh, were asked about it, which is exactly what we want them to be mm-hmm. and to to build up the pressure. The French are very critical in this area, and you know the foreign minister had just visited both Israel and the PA and. They, you know, New Zealand was the other sponsor, but I understand New Zealand's also not uh, moving forward right now. So my hope is that we can avoid this. Uh, I'm not sure the administration wanted because they were going to use this as leverage with Israel and, um, you know, the French resolution. But uh, our hope is that we can force the French to get off of it. Right. All right. We will reconvene, uh, please God, next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for joining us. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here Friday mornings at JM in the AM. And I thank him very, very much. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, and this July 10th, the 23rd of Tammuz. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Pinchas, with candle lighting at 8.08. 8.08 on this Erev Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh Av is next week. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Av is Friday of the next week. And um, we'll get into our nine days format at that point. Rabbi Yudin is joining us from Israel. Rabbi Yudin's words live from Israel coming up next here at JM and the AM. I want to remind everybody that coming up at 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM and the AM on the NSN app on uh, NahumSiegel.com, JMNAM.org, all over our audio sources and on uh, live video on the homepage of NahumSiegel.com. It's Naomi Nachman, Naomi Nachman live from Gourmet Glot with her nine days menu program with many special guests, including Jay Booksbaum of Royal Wine and many others as well. They'll concentrate on what to prepare during the nine days, uh, during table for two, this morning between uh, 9 o'clock and 10.30. If you're anywhere near Gourmet Glot on Spruce Street in Cedarhurst, stop by and enjoy the show. It is always great when Naomi takes to the road. She'll have her uh, colleagues from CKCA, the, uh, the Center for Kosher Culinary Arts, joining her with cooking demonstrations and a whole bunch more. So take advantage if you're out there in the five towns this morning and enjoy her presentation. Otherwise, watch it on our site or listen on any of our sources 
and enjoy. JM in the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos. With great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Well, good morning for you, Nachum, and everybody. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. It's good afternoon for me in Beit Shemesh, and uh, not just li- <laughs> wish you were here. I don't have to tell you. Um, I just want to begin before we talk about Pashas Pinchas, which, by the way, according to the Chinuch, contains six positive mitzvos. I just want to share with you an exciting piece of uh, information just coming out of Eretz Yisrael. And, again, it's bringing us one step closer to the fulfillment of an exciting Gemara in um, Sanhedrin, Daf 93b, Tzadi Gimel Amabez. You're welcome to take out the Gemara and see this for yourselves inside. The Gemara in Sanhedrin, in the last Perek, spends a lot of time talking about different aspects of Moshiach, and the Gemara cites the Pasuk from Yeshaya, Perik Yud Aleph. And there, the Navi tells us the following. In Pasuk Beis, V'nocha Allah Ruach Hashem. The Spirit of God will be upon the Mashiach. Ruach Chachma, Vina, Ruach Eitzog, Gvura, Wisdom, Bravery, Ruach Das, Yiras Hashem, Knowledge, Fear of God. And then the next verse, again, Yeshaya chapter 11. Pasuk Gimel, the Herecho Biyiras Hashem. Literally, he's going to have a special scent, sense of smell, literally in the Yiras Hashem, in fear of God, as the Talmud will explain those three words. And he's not going to judge by what he sees. Noah, by his sense of hearing, but the Talmud understands it, that he will be able to judge by the sense of smell. Now, I have to tell you that most recently, coming out of the Weizmann Institute, they have been doing some very um, special work in the area of scent, and they've basically pointed out that there are Liayin Hara, 7.3 billion persons on the face of this earth, just as each individual has their unique fingerprints, so too does each individual have a unique sense of smell, scent. Not only what they can smell based upon the fact that each person has, I hope you're sitting down, six million smell receptors in your nose, but that there is a distinct scent to each person. And so, as we literally usher in Shabbos, in Israel, seven hours before you in the States, but as we usher in Shabbos and we take in the Neshama Yaseira, so among the many explanations for the Neshama Yaseira, 
you should know is that which says that basically all of the problems that beset us during the week, the capacity for man to rise above these issues and literally to put them on hold and to be able to connect to and with HaKadosh Baruch Hu on a higher spiritual plane, this is due to our Neshama Yaseira. And therefore, on Motsoe Shabbat, when the Neshama Yaseira leaves us and we literally comfort our Neshama with the loss of that, with the smelling of the Besamim, please God, this coming Saturday night, I'll be honored if for a moment you would stop and say, wait a minute, as they are perfecting this capacity to uh, identify each individual uniquely by their sense of scent, now we'll be able to appreciate the Gemara in Sanhedrin, whereby He's not going to judge simply based upon the externals. He's not going to have to necessarily go through all the material. He'll be able to, with his sense of smelling, determine who is the innocent, who is guilty. Another step forward towards anima min be'emunoshlemo. And that which is going to be during that very special time. We're living in special times. I'd like to focus this morning in Parsha's Pinchas, that right before the Parsha of the Moados, that you have the Korbanos Musaf for Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, and each of the Chagim, the Torah gives us the Korban. Tamid, Esakeves Achod Taseva Boker, Vesakeves Hasheni Taseb Benor Bayim. One lamb is to be brought in the morning, and the other one is to be brought in the afternoon. This is called the Karban Tamid. The word Tamid means. There is no exception to the rule. Every single day, weekday, Shabbos, Yom Tov, Yom Kippur, every day had its Karban Tamid in the morning and its Karban Tamid in the afternoon. And please God, in the future, in the third Beis HaMikdash, that's going to be very much a part of the Avodas Hayom. And our Tfilos, our Tfilas Shacharis, corresponds to the Korban Tomid Shel Shachar. Our Tfilas Musaf corresponds to the Korban Tomid of the afternoon, which is called, our, our Tfilas Mincha corresponds to the Korban Tomid in the afternoon, which is called Mincha. And it's really that point that I'd like to focus on this morning. Why is it that if the two Korbanos, the means just that. Whatever was found in the morning was found in the afternoon. Why is it that the morning karban is known to us as the karban tomid shel shachar, 
and the Korban in the afternoon, Shachar means morning, hence Shachar is, and the Korban in the afternoon is called Mincha. And it's not just by us that we call it Mincha, but Davra Melech in Tilim, Kuf Mem Aleph, Posig Beis, he too calls the afternoon service Mincha. Says David, Kikon, Literally, my prayer should be acceptable. And this special offering before you, Mas'as Kapai Minchas Orev. The prayer and the gift in the afternoon is called a Mincha. Why is it that the afternoon Korban is called Mincha? And, as we find, for example, when Elio HaKarmel in Melachim Aleph, Perik Yud Ches, when he has the duel with the false prophets, and he challenges them, let's see who the true God is, the one who can bring the fire down from Shemayim. They go first, they do not succeed, and we're told, there, Vayhi Ba'alos HaMincha, and it was at the time of Mincha, and in fact the Gemara in the first parak of Brachos tells us, be careful regarding Tfilas Mincha, because it was at that time that Eliyahu Navi was answered. Why is it that the morning Karban is called Shachar, the afternoon Karban is called Mincha? Rav Salavichik, Tzichatzadik Levracha, suggested the following in the name of the Mikubalim, the Chachmi Kabbalah. And they suggested the following, that the two Tamidim, the two Karban Tamid that are brought every day, each one of them is a Karban Ola. Each one of them is a gift. However, the two of them differ in terms of what the focus of the gift is. The Karban which is brought in the morning is that which is saying thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for providing us with that which is, we may call, Devarim HaHechriyim, meaning the basics of life. God provides us literally with life. You've given me back my soul. You give us air. You give us water. You give us food. You give us clothes. You give us the basics of life. And this is the essence of the Karban Tamid in the morning. Indeed, the Berchas HaShachar that we recite in the morning are thanking God for the basics that we have, our locomotion and our ability to function. In contrast, the Korban Tamid, which comes in the afternoon, is there as an expression of thanksgiving and gratefulness for that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us all the motorot, all of the extras in life. And therefore, the primary part that we focus on in the morning, even though there was a mincha accompanying the carbon in the hour, there was the oil, there was the wine, but that's not the primary part. In the morning, we focus on the lamb, which is basically the symbol of life. In the afternoon, we're focusing on the wine, the oil, the fine 
flower, which is symbolic of the quote-unquote extras of life. And just to show, and interestingly, the, forgive me, the Gemara in Brachos, that Yud Amibes teaches, Lo Sochul Al Hadam. You are not to literally, what? Says the Gemara, Lo Sochul, you're not to pray, excuse me, you're not to eat every day prior to your praying Al Dimchem. Literally, prior to your praying for your life, meaning saying thank you to Hashem for the life that He's giving us. So once again, the Gemara is telling us that the prayer in the morning is a prayer of saying thank you to God for giving Every weekday, Shemona Esrei has now 19 brachos, three introductory brachos, three concluding brachos, and 13 middle bakashos requests. Now, these requests go from health to wealth to all of the needs which we have, including bringing us back to Yerushalayim. Thirteenth one, Shmakolenu. Hashem, listen to our voice. At first glance, what is Shmakolenu adding that we haven't already said in the prior twelve Bakoshos requests? And the Siddur Hagra says something very sharp. The Vilna Gaon says, "What does it mean, Shmakolenu? Take out the Sefer Yoshua and turn." to chapter 10. And there in chapter 10 of Yoshua, Yoshua is fighting against the Amori. He's winning the war. The sun is about to set. Yoshua says, oh no, Hashem, you can't do this to us. And therefore, the famous Shemesh, the given dome, let the sun please stand over Shimon, Givon, the literal translation of Dome is to be silent, because as we say tomorrow morning, Hashemayim is saprin, kavod kale, the heavens literally proclaim the honor of God. So he was saying, keep quiet, which means stand still. Now, why is he asking that the sun stands still, because after all, he wants to finish the war. If you look in that chapter, you'll see that right before this, the Navi tells us that God sent down, or plummeted down from the heavens, large stones, hailstones, which literally killed more than what Yoshua and his men were killing on the ground. So in reality, this wasn't even necessary. And therefore, the Pesach after this continues and says, there was no day in Jewish history, that God listened to the voice of man. What does that mean? It wasn't necessary, this whole miracle. But because Yoshua asked for it, and because Hashem loved him and the Jewish people, Hashem did it. Shema Koleinu basically says, Hashem, I know there are many things that we might not necessarily need, and you know better than us that we might not even need them, but please, we think we need them, please give it to us anyway. What a powerful idea. And I just wish to conclude with the following. There is that famous...
like him, quotes the Pasuk from this Torah reading of Parshas Pinchas, because it combines both. It's a consistency that God does for us day in, day out. One kevis in the morning, he restores our life. One kevis in the afternoon, he gives us all the extras in life as well. It behooves us that we return to him our sense of avdus, our sense of kvias. And as he is there for us morning and night, so must we rededicate ourselves to him morning and night. Shabbat shalom. J.M. in the A.M. That's Rabbi Yudin uh, with us live from Israel. I thank him very, very much as he explores for us the uh, Parshas Pinchas on this Erev Shabbos. Candle lighting at 8.08 on this Erev Shabbos. Rosh Chodesh Av is next Friday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av is next Friday. Um, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. Don't, uh, don't forget, coming up at 9 o'clock, NSN app, NachumSiegel.com. You can actually watch, not just here, but watch Naomi Nachman in action as she'll be doing the uh, Table for Two program live from Gourmet Glot Emporium on Spruce Street in Cedarhurst. She'll have her colleagues from the CKCA, the uh, Center for Kosher Culinary Arts. She'll have uh, the amazing kosher wine sommelier, Jay Booksbaum, and many others. All between 9 and 10.30, a supersized Table for Two show. I want to thank everybody who's out there, Mary Mel Wallach and Jamie Turkel and ZK, who are helping with the uh, broadcast. It's going to be a live presentation. You can see it on our site at NahumSiegel.com on the homepage, and, of course, you can hear it through all of our sources coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. Well, I'm told that Steve Cohn is with us live via telephone. He has the distinction of being the general manager of one of the uh, – icons in brooklyn new york and in this case i refer to the brooklyn cyclones apparently the brooklyn cyclones are celebrating 15 years 15 seasons of great baseball in brooklyn new york right there on coney island that on sunday august 2nd sunday this is the sunday of nachamu everybody sunday august 2nd at one o'clock mcu park which houses the brooklyn cyclones invites you and the cyclones invite you to celebrate jewish heritage day they have a special ticket package. They've got kosher food. They've got stuff for the kids to do. Information, go to brooklyncyclones.com, brooklyncyclones.com, or 718-507-TICKS, 718-507-TIXX. General Manager of the Brooklyn Cyclones, Steve Cohn, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. How are you? Everything is wonderful. How are you guys doing so far this season? Oh, we're off to a great start. This is actually, Cyclones are in first place, which is... Uh... It's always nice to be doing well on the field, and we're doing well off the field as well. It's um, been a good good year. It's a little little wet so far, but other than that, it's been a great start. i got to ask you a question, and I don't even know if you know the answer to this. We have visited, my family and I have visited many minor league baseball parks and have attended some great games in this wonderful country over the last few years, and some teams are doing remarkably well. We're talking about thousands and thousands in sold-out stadiums night after night, and others that we've seen can barely get 100 or 200 people to come to the games. Why is yours one of those in the first category? Uh, you know what? I think from the beginning, as you mentioned, we're, we're celebrating 15 years now, and since 2001 when we started, I think we just offered a great product at a, at a pretty inexpensive price. Um, 
You, know, you could buy a seat to to a game now for as low as ten bucks. Um, and then, and I think the entertainment value as well is great. You don't necessarily have to be a pure baseball fan to come to one of our games and, and have a good time. Uh, you know, good or bad. Uh, there's a good portion of people who leave the game at the end of the night and don't always know the score. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and I think it's also obviously we're in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn has had a rich tradition of, of um, baseball history. So that that's been uh, something we were able to springboard off of. Yeah, and, I, and just continue you, it. You know, I know, but and, and look, we don't have to go through the whole history of this. Is enough to talk about with the 2015 season, but. You know, that's what everybody feared. Everybody feared, you know, there are a couple of Major League Baseball teams here. There's other stuff going on. There's plenty of baseball around the area if you want to explore. And, and you know, so some thought that nobody would come to these games. And sure enough, from the very beginning, you guys have been so popular. So, again, not to go through the history, but I think it's just remarkable that you've been able to do it in this area. And, by the way, I think the consensus is with all the different ballparks around town, and there are many with some great views and wonderful venues, uh, yours is so unique. Yours is incredible. Uh, the sight that you see when one sits in the seats in MCU Park is just remarkable. It's a great place. Coney Island in the summertime, there's no better place to be. And, you know, I, I don't think I even have to add to what you just said. I just, you know, we got a letter the other day from somebody who, um, 58-year-old gentleman, I think he came from New Jersey, never been to the park, and he wrote a letter that was just basically summed it up that I, I think I'm going to use next year on our marketing brochure. <laughs> and it was just, you know, he basically said it was the best experience of his life, and he's been to, you know, dozens and dozens of all parks and arenas across the country, and he never had a night like he had with us. And, you know, when I read that, it, it was just, it, it makes the, it makes the long hours and, and the hard work really mean something. Well, I can imagine. It's, it's, it's worth the price of admission just to see the view, everybody. All right, enough about that. Steve Cohen is the general manager of the Brooklyn Cyclones. He invites everybody to Jewish Heritage Day. Not only do you get a field box seat, you get a free souvenir Cyclones cap, and, Steve, you get kosher food as well. That's right. I mean, talk about our great deals. If you go in and put... Uh, you got to use the code J J H N if you go online or order by phone at you know BrooklynCyclones.com. That's a great deal. Um, Twenty bucks you get a, a kosher hot dog, soft drink, hat, uh, field box seat. So uh, you know it's a hard hard bargain, hard hard value to beat, um, especially in the New York City area. And if that's too much, uh, we are also we have buy one get one free tickets, uh, coupons and vouchers that'll be out in. Um, different uh, newspapers, local newspapers, uh, starting next week, Jewish Press, uh, Jewish Link as well. Um, so look, look in those papers if you want that. When uh, you've done this before, how has our community responded? Um, you know what? It's, it's, been, it's been very good um, over the years. You know, Brooklyn, um, as, uh, obviously as strong as the, um, the community is in Brooklyn, it's also difficult in the summertime sometimes because, uh, there's a, uh, you know, the tradition of, of not being around on the weekends. Right. Um, and we've done our, our games on Sundays, uh, historically, which again, this, it'll be Sunday, August 2nd. Um, but, uh, you know, this year's looking great. We've got you coming out for a first pitch. We just confirmed, uh, you know, boxing champion Dimitri Salida and, uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn legend will be there as well. Ooh, Dimitri. Uh, helping us out, meeting the fans, throwing out a first pitch. Um, and we've got a bunch of entertainment and a lot of fun stuff going on. So see, I think it's going to be a great night. See, Steve does not realize that I'm going to bail at the last minute on this. He doesn't realize that once I see the distance between the mound and home plate, there's not a chance 
that I'm going to take a risk of throwing a uh, first pitch. So you may, <laughs> you, you may, you may have to count me out. You can put me in the official program, Steve, but you know at the last minute I'm going to panic completely. You know what? It's fine. We, we had, uh, our former Barhol president, Marty Mark, which used to move up four or five feet. Ooh. Uh, in order to make it. So we'll, uh, we'll do the same for you. But you know, no it, chance we're going to let you bail. It's funny. I'm at Yankee Stadium yesterday and we're, ta- we're talking about this whole thing with the first pitch. And I said, I am going to go as close to home plate as possible. That is my strategy. Uh, b- <laughs> by the way, we must mention, not only do you do all this for Jewish Heritage Day, again, that's August 2nd, and we'll be giving away tickets and reminding everybody until we get to August 2nd, and we thank the Cyclones for that. But we should also mention that on a regular basis, you give the kids in the stands access to the field after the game. Aren't they always running around those bases after the game? Yeah, Sundays, uh, kids get to run the bases, and I, that's that August 2nd as well. If you come early at by 4 o'clock from 4 to 4.30, you can go on the field and have a catch on the field as well. No, not um, early. Then the game's at 1. So what do you mean early? The, uh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm right. The game's at 1. Our, no, our normal start time is 5 o'clock. Uh, come, come at noon. Thank at you noon. very much. Okay, um, that would have been weird. Um, come at noon, and from noon to 12.30, you can go on the field, have a catch, uh, your whole family go down there and, and, you know, have a catch on the field that the Cyclones play on. Then after the game, stick around and you're going to get to run the bases. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff. Oh everybody. my God. Now I got to bring everybody back from camp. I didn't realize the whole family can go on the field and have a catch on a real field. I got to bring yeah. everybody back. I yeah, can't I would, believe I just tell, tell everybody, don't even, you know, don't go away that weekend. Don't, don't, no camp. Come oh, to the Cyclones God. game and, uh, and then it's a perfect time because the next the next day there's a big uh, hot solo fundraiser at the ballpark as well. Yeah, we're gonna so, be we're gonna we're gonna be there for that. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's a perfect two days. Just uh, you know, just come come down, stay over in Coney Island, and and have yourself a great two days. Yeah. Who do you predict, by the way, the NYPD or hot solo? Who do you think's gonna come out victorious this year? <laughs> I'm you know I'm gonna stay neutral on that one. <laughs> <laughs> the NYPD has access to better ringers. So I'm going with them. Yeah. <laughs> On Sunday, August 2nd, Steve Cohen and everybody in the Brooklyn Cyclones invites us all to Jewish Heritage Day. Come on down and celebrate. For your uh, ticket admission, you get the free souvenir Cyclones cap, and they always have great swag, by the way. They always have great-looking stuff. Uh, A free food voucher, which uh, gets you the kosher hot dog and soft drink. Plus, of course, as you heard, no joke, at noon you can play catch on the field, which is pretty remarkable. And right after the game, the kids can run the bases. It's it's a great day, and if the weather's going to be good, it's going to be absolutely spectacular. Go to brooklyncyclones.com, 718-507-TICS. We'll talk more about it as we go. And if you want to uh, use the um, uh, special code for the Jewish Heritage Day, it's JHN. Just enter the passcode JHN. You get the whole ticket package, et cetera, et cetera. Steve Kahn, look forward to seeing you at the game. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, and get that arm ready. Yeah, I'm going to try my best before I chicken out. August 2nd, everybody, Jewish Heritage Day. Thank you, Brooklyn Cyclones. Unbelievable how people just flock to that stadium. We've seen so many minor league parks that can't get a crowd, and they just have a, the most unbelievable loyal fan base, I'll tell you. Ready to wrap things up on a Friday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. Shabbat, Shabbat, Nikah, Bila. Ananai, Nalecha, Dodi. Ananai, Nalecha, Kala. Ananai, Nalecha, Nikah, Bila. Ananai, Nalecha, Dodi. Ananai, Nalecha,
613 in Lachado D. Hey, I want to give a special shout out to Steve Adelsberg. I saw Steve yesterday. A big shout out to Steve Adelsberg. I asked him the big quiz question. I told him that everybody in the Bungalow Baseball League is zero and zero because last week uh, all the games were rained out. And I asked him the quiz question. I said, on the website, even though everybody's zero and zero, who's on the top line? And he knew it. He said the Lobos. So <laughs> he got it right. <laughs> So, hey, kudos to him, and of course, kudos to the Lobos who are in first place, even if they have no record, which I think is just amazing. Time to say good Shabbos, candlelighting at 8.08. Friday morning, hour of Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Oh, it's time to say good job. 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sony and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. If you take a look at the homepage of NachumSiegel.com, Naomi Nachman is ready to go about uh, 60 seconds from now. You can see the video up there from Gourmet Glot Emporium out in Cedarhurst with her nine days cooking program. So good luck, Naomi. If you're in the area, stop by. It should be a lot of fun, to say the least. Hey, my, pl- plenty of great programming uh, all through the weekend. Don't forget, Matis hosts JM Sunday on Sunday morning, starting at the 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. He presents uh, news from Israel in English on Sunday morning, so you'll want to check that out. Uh, Monday, we're back here starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend until uh, Monday. Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.